<laughs> Why don't you guys go ahead and take a seat while I cue us up with a reading today to put us in the minds, um, mindset for our sermon. It's a reading from John uh, chapter 4, verses 31 to 38. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life. So then the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Let us pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you that your words speak to us still to this day. Please help us to hear your voice today, to turn the world out and to cast our distractions aside. And may today's sermon bring thoughts to our mind, uh, maybe for the first time. May it penetrate our hearts and encourage us. Help us to be obedient to your prompting. It's in your son's mighty and precious name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Alex. I'm the associate pastor. This is Ed. He's our lead pastor. And five or six months ago in our staff meeting, we began talking about the next ministry year. For us, that cycle kind of runs October 1 through the end of September. It's sort of parallel to the school year. we got fall, spring, and summer. We start with the fiscal year, October 1. And so Ed asked, hey, I want you guys to be thinking and praying about this. Where do you think God is calling us in the next 12 months? What's the next ministry season look like for us? And so I think there was a general consensus around the table. We all felt like, you know, our church has been growing really strongly over the last couple of years. We've more than doubled in size. It would be awesome if we could kind of ease off the gas a little bit and work on infrastructure. Why don't we like build our volunteer teams? Let's invest in training our kids town workers. Why don't we think about care ministries and let's just really get organized. And I think almost all of us were on the same page. But there was one dissenting voice and it would be wrong of me to tell you who it was. But somebody objected to that, and they said, I, I got to tell you guys, that's not where I see God calling us this next year. I think God is calling us to keep growing. Like, I think the growth that we've seen over the last couple of years, we all know that has nothing to do with us. So why don't we just fuel the growth? Why don't we try to see how we can come alongside God and leverage what he is already doing among us? And I'm going to be participating in the sermon some this morning because I represent those of us on staff who were slow adapters to that. I think initially Ed was met with probably dirty looks and sarcasm and some rude comments and some other things. But over time, we have come to believe that this really is what the next season in ministry looks like for us. And not just the staff, but as the elders who are responsible for the spiritual oversight of our church as they fought and prayed about this. And then we shared it with our deacons. So the, the team leaders, the leaders of all of our groups, there are now probably 75 people at Gateway involved in leadership who have been exposed to this idea of like, oh, I don't know, it seems like God is just saying, put our foot on the pedal and let's keep growing. And, and we have thought about that and prayed about it. And now we're saying to you, this is what we think God 
is calling us to do in the next 12 months. Now, if you're new here, I don't want you to tune out. You may be thinking like, oh, great, this sounds like something for the people that are already committed here. I don't need to know this stuff, but you actually do. I bet you by the end of the service today, you will know if Gateway is a place where you want to be involved or not. And if not, it's okay. There are some great churches in the area, but you will know at least what we feel like God is calling us to do in the next year or so of ministry. And so uh, this is us sitting down in the bus, and we're looking through the windshield at the road ahead. I want to start by reminding us, and if you're newer, this may be a first time for you, of one of Gateway's favorite stories. And it's really at the foundation of, of kind of who we are. 22 years ago now, there were really probably a couple of families orbiting around this idea, and we were not even Gateway Community Church yet. We didn't have a name. And I had a developer come talk to me. He was a guy who's made a zillion dollars off of developing a few housing projects, but mostly strip malls in our area throughout Northern Virginia. And he was looking at maps of Loudoun County, and he noticed this dramatically undervalued piece of property that was out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, nowhere. There was a little neighborhood nobody had ever heard of with about 400 homes in it called uh, South Riding. And just west of that, there was a 30-plus parcel that was available for a steal. He looked at the map, saw what was one day going to be coming there, and he thought, oh, this is an awesome place for another strip mall. In fact, if I can put, you know, a couple pieces of parcel property together, maybe we could even put a mall there. This was, of course, before the last 15 years when malls have fallen apart. Maybe some of you would rather have a mall here. But he came out and came down, you know, out 50, and he turned on Gum Spring Road, which was like a little two-lane road that went from nowhere to nowhere. He turns on Gum Spring Road, he identifies the property, gets out of his car, and he's going to walk the property to kind of get a feel for it. First time in his life, he feels like God speaks to him. And God says to him, I'm going to raise up a church for this area and put it on that property. We are that church. 22 years later, and a lot of ups and downs. And I want you to know that those ups and downs include me twice trying to say no to that property. Not trying, I did say no to the property, and God had other ideas. We are that church. Let's look quickly at the passage that Rebecca read for us this morning. And before we do, I want to give you the backdrop. So you got this exchange between Jesus and the disciples, but I want you to know what happened before that exchange, because it's one of the most amazing interchanges in the entire New Testament. Jesus has a, a, a really intense, awesome conversation with a Samaritan woman. And some of you know, Samaritans were looked down on in that day by the Jews. In fact, they weren't even supposed to associate with Samaritans. Jesus should not have been talking to this woman at all, but he was. And in this conversation, Jesus begins to recognize that this is a woman of deep need. She, for her part, tries everything she can to avoid Jesus' concern and his help. She tries deflection. And I want you to go home later and, and read. Some of you will be reminding yourself, or others of you, it may be new. Just read this encounter. It's awesome. She tries to deflect, first of all. And then she tries direct challenge. Then she tries evasion. And then she tries to compliment him, probably designed to distract him. She even tries theological speculation. She tries to avoid Jesus' concern and his help because in her case... That would mean a radical reorientation of her life. And the prospect of that had to be exciting, but it also had to be incredibly scary. So she finds a number of different ways of saying, hey, let's, let's talk about something else. 
It's fascinating to watch Jesus press through all of her maneuvering and her avoidance and press in to identify her real inner need. And in doing so, he opens her up to the possibilities of a, 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 just a whole different life for herself. Right after this exchange, the disciples enter the scene. Now, it's not clear how much of that exchange that the disciples had heard or seen, but to me, they seem to be a little tone deaf to the whole environment. I bet Jesus was exhausted and exhilarated. You know how it is when you have one of those epic, intense conversations with someone, and it's obvious that this encounter had been life-altering for this woman. In fact, she goes back to her village and invites all of the villagers, hey, come out and see this man who's told me everything about myself. Come meet Jesus. And I would think Jesus at that point wants someone to say to him, wow, what happened? Or, goodness, Jesus, tell us about that woman. But instead, the disciples say, you got to be hungry. You want something to eat? Consistently, Jesus spends his time training his disciples to, to raise their sights, to look at what God is doing, to look at how their lives are involved in a much bigger story than just the to-do list for this afternoon or this week. So in this instance, he uses a farming analogy. Don't you see, Jesus said, the fields are white. In fact, a part of the harvest just happened right here. I'm convinced for us this coming year, this is Jesus' message to us as well. The harvest is white. Remember, we are that church, and we live in those fields. The harvest is right. It's time for us to get going. Four observations about this passage that we want to look at quickly this morning. The first one is there is a clear sense of urgency. Jesus says, Look, you got this saying, it's still four months until the harvest, so you know, basically you can kind of hang out and just wait for stuff to grow, and then you go to work. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest now. Even now, the, the reaper is earning his wages. There are people who are out there working to bring in this harvest. And what Jesus is saying is, look, it's time to get to work. The harvest is here. There's no time to waste. I can hardly grow grass in my yard. I have to pay somebody to come and sprinkle magic dust on it and do things so that I have grass growing. So not really good with these agricultural analogies, but I do get that generally, like if you're trying to grow tomatoes or beans or corn or anything like that, there's a time when you plant it, and there's a time when you harvest it, and then there's time in between where you've got to let water and sun and timing do their thing. And that's when you go on vacation. That's when you have a party. That's when you catch up on maintaining the tractor or whatever it is, the other stuff you have to do. But when the crop is ready and it's harvest time, you put all of that aside and you work like a maniac to maximize the harvest. There's too much to be done. There's no time to waste. And I think Jesus is saying, look, guys, there is no time to ease up on the pace here. Don't you see all these people coming out from the Samaritan woman's village? This is the spiritual harvest and it will not wait. We need to go to work right now. And I think that's what Jesus would say to Gateway now. I think he would say, Gateway, I am sending you a huge harvest. Every Sunday you open the doors and new people are coming in. They need to know about my life-changing love for them and the hope they can only get from me. So now is the time to get busy. Now you have to be busy at work, drawing them in, connecting them, helping them understand my love for them. I want you to take advantage 
of the momentum that I've already created. I don't want you to slow down. I don't want you to back off. I want you to fuel what I have been doing. This isn't for next spring. This isn't for 2021. This isn't for the next generation of church leaders. This is for us, and it's for now. When we moved into this building two years ago, we had 250 people. Our goal, our lofty goal that had been bathed in prayer was, God, if it's your will, could we get to 330 people by the end of the first year in the building? We got to 330 within the first month. By that Christmas, we were well over four or 500. That next Easter of 2018, we had to go to two services. Last Christmas, we had more than 1,000 people here for our Christmas Eve and Christmas services, and we had more than 1,100 people at Easter. And I am telling you, that is not because we had a great strategy or this awesome plan or clever marketing. Anybody that's been around knows that is not of true of us. So this is not us patting ourselves on the back because we're not even smart enough to know the mistakes we made, okay? This is God doing something that we did not expect. This is God growing our church in spite of our limitations. And I don't think you understand how rare that is. In America, more than 80% of churches are either plateaued or declining. So there are only a few that are actually growing. And the number of churches that will double or triple in a couple years' time, those are their unicorns. Ed and I, between the two of us, have probably... Slow down. I'm going to say 75-plus years of ministry experience. <laughs> There's a lot of wisdom up here. <laughs> But we've, we've never been a part of a church that's grown that fast. I don't personally know people like that. Those aren't the kind of guys I hang out with. So this is a really rare thing. God is growing gateway at a crazy rate, and the growth isn't just numerical, it's spiritual as well. I mean, you can look around on a Sunday morning, and you can see our congregation is way more diverse than it used to be, just, not just age-wise, but we're growing increasingly multinational, and we have more and more people who are coming from different spiritual backgrounds. Uh, this summer, a 70-year-old woman was baptized at her birthday party because she wanted her friends and neighbors to know about this crazy relationship she had established with Jesus Christ. Did you know we have two college interns from Gateway that are working in our office right now, and we have a third college student uh, somebody who grew up at Gateway who came through our youth group, and they interned at another church this past summer. So the stuff that is going on here, the growth that's happening here, isn't just impacting us, it's impacting other churches. So we need to fuel the work that God is already doing in our church. I feel a little bit like, I don't know, the, somebody sitting in the back seat when dad takes the kid out in the car for the first time on the highway. And it's like, you know, we're on 95 southbound, we're going 55, and we're kind of weaving back and forth between the lanes. And Dad says, let's see what you'll do. It's a 70-mile-an-hour speed limit. Give it the gas. It's a little scary, okay? But we really believe that God wants us to move with urgency. Another observation from this passage is there is labor involved. There is work to be done. Somebody has to bring in the harvest. Somebody has to do the reaping. And this passage reminds me of Matthew 9 where Jesus says, Look, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. The great need here is not a crop that's not big enough or a crop that's too late in the season. The harvest is plentiful, and it's now. But the real need is for workers. 
It's for people who understand what it looks like to draw in others and harvest a spiritual crop. It's people who can see what God has been doing and who gladly say to God, what do you need me to do? How can I help? You tell me, I will do it. How can I step up and serve your purposes? And in our case, this gathering and harvesting work looks like a couple of different things. First of all, it looks like participating, okay? So don't be content to sit on the sidelines and just be an observer. We want you to roll up your sleeves and get your hands dirty. We want you to be out involved where the fun is and where God is at work. So if you're fairly new, we want you to come regularly, ask questions, serve a team, get connected to the life of our church. And if you've been around for a while, then please think about taking another step deeper into the life of our church. Serve someplace. Find out how you can help. Come in early and just do whatever needs to be done. We can't accomplish the work that God has set before us this year without you taking part. I mean, it's us. It's the people in this room. It's not going to happen if it's not us. Now, beyond participating, another way you can help with the work is in giving. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, look, don't worry so much about earthly treasure. I want you to think about treasure in heaven, something that brings an eternal reward. We understand that different people here are at different places in their spiritual journey. They're at different places financially and in the life of their family. So it doesn't matter what amount you give, but whatever you give, the Bible teaches us to give prayerfully. So you want to give in response to what God puts on your heart. And we want to give regularly and consistently out of habit, out of a decision, out of a conscious choice. And the Bible says that we're to give intentionally, not casually, because this work is far too important to treat it like an afterthought. And as we see the growth that God is sending us, it just seems like good stewardship for us as his followers to say, hey, I'm going to invest in that. I'm going to help out. I want to see what God has in store for us. A third way that we get involved in the work, and this is the most important way, that's praying. This is where the work begins and ends. As we look to God to see what he wants us to do, and we ask him, how can we be a part of what you want to accomplish? So we want everyone to pray for our church family. We want all of you to pray often for what needs to happen over the next year. But for the month of October, we are giving a special challenge. We're trying to get 100 people who would go into mygateway.life. If you have your phone, you can pull this out. If you want to just plug in mygateway.life in your web browser, or I downloaded the app and I push, maybe I push the button, and it goes to mygateway.life. And if you go to the sermon page for today that says Gateway Forward, and you click on that, scroll down, it says sign up for prayer prompts. So if you'll sign up for this, then every Monday through Friday evening during the month of October, you'll get a text message, just a gentle reminder, hey, would you pray for us tonight? And we're just imagining people praying over the dinner table, people praying when they tuck the kids into bed, just a minute or two every evening, pray for our church, pray for our leaders, pray for our direction, pray for the people that are here, and pray for the people that have not yet come, but that God is calling and drawing into our ministry. There are so many people around us who need a fresh start and living hope. And that's not going to happen for us to connect to them and draw them in unless we're praying. So pray for us and please sign up for this prayer prompt. We, we're really serious about this during the month of October. Two more observations from the text. One, 
at the very beginning of Jesus' response, if you look, verse 34, he says, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and finish his work. If you read the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it becomes obvious that Jesus had a clear sense of where he was going and what he needed to do along the way to get there, to get to where he was going. It involved, in his words, preaching in all the towns and villages throughout the region, spreading the good news of the kingdom of God. And now, quite literally, Jesus has passed on this finishing work to us, his church. The need to spread the message of freedom and the connection and purpose that God offers is always a part of the task of the church. But for certain churches in certain places, that task is amplified by the ripeness of the harvest. We are that church, and we are in that place. So we also have a sense of what we need to do this next year along the way toward becoming the church that God dreamed of being on this property. Specifically, this will be another year, as we've said, of in-gathering, another year of aggressive harvesting, the white fields around us. In fact, I believe Jesus' word in this passage is exactly for us this coming year. This will be a year of continued growth at Gateway. That's the season we're in, and we need to join God in that work. I want you to hear the white fields. I want you to hear some of the prayer requests that have come to my attention in the last two weeks. Someone who's moved here trying to escape a domestic abuse situation. An emergency housing need for a mom and, and two young children. She needs somewhere to live. Two people, freedom from drug and alcohol addiction that have been persistent for years. Healing from cancer, two of those. A failing marriage, two of those. Spiritual disconnection and doubt, several of those, and an accompanying deep sense of loss. Just in the past two weeks, the harvest is white. We're in that field, and we are that church. We've got to be prepared to welcome and encourage, to instruct and comfort, to reorient the new people that God will bring. The business in front of us this year is not casual. This is life versus death, health versus disease, freedom versus slavery. When you came in this morning, I hope you got a document, a flyer thingy, not a flyer, it's a brochure, whatever you call it. It spells out some of what's happened in this past year here at Gateway, but it also gives a picture of what we will need to do this coming year, specifically in terms of how we spend our money, and I mean we, and I mean our. At the back of that document, we've given a budget for our church for this coming year, and as we look at that budget, I want this morning to point out four big bucket things that, that I want you to notice related to the budget, and you can dig into the details later. But I want you to notice four things about this budget. Pay special attention to this. I believe if we're going to participate with God in the harvest that he has planned, then we're going to need to take care of these four things. So four big bucket items related to this budget that's at the back of that document. Big bucket item number one is paying for this building, maximizing our building impact. Very graciously, when we built this building, we had a bank participate with us 
they kind of wondered if they were foolish at the time because of the risk that they were taking, but they decided to dive in with us, and not only so, they gave us two years of paying interest only, but beginning December of this year, we began to pay principal and interest, and it will be a hefty sum of money. Did you know that two other churches use this building? There's a Korean church that meets on Sunday afternoon. There's a Spanish church that meets on Saturday night. There are two other ministries that use this building regularly or occasionally. This past week, Thursday, some of you came out for a food truck night. You may have noticed that I was the one expertly directing the traffic uh, out on the field, almost getting run over. I was overwhelmed by all of the cars that started coming onto the field because the parking lot was full. I stopped counting at 200 cars. And I didn't count the ones that were coming in from the other direction that were parking all willy-nilly, messing up my system. <laughs> Alex and I talked about this later, tried to figure, conservatively, I'm guessing, you know, less than two people a car, 800 people, it was probably, it, it might have been twice that, were here for food truck night at our building. I walked inside, and by the way, as I was out there parking, at least two people got out of their cars. I didn't know several of you got out and said, we've even got Pastor Ed parking cars. Yeah, you're welcome. Come on, grab a flag. <laughs> but a couple of people came out of their, didn't belong to Gateway, came out of their cars walking toward our building and said, thank you so much for doing, thank you for doing this. I walked inside uh, late in the evening. We, it was almost time for us to finish. Down that back hallway, room 118, there's a chess club that meets there every week. Chess club. There's a chess club that meets there every week. And I walk back, and there are five parental units that are standing waiting for their kids to finish the chess club. I'm walking back. I'm carrying stuff. Hey, how are you? Is this chess club? Yes. Two of those parents thanked me. Did you know that our preschool and after-school Gateway Village Children's Center has more kids this year than last? Last year, it had a lot more kids than it did the year before. And every month, some parent here thanks me. Do you know the reputation that the church has in general in our culture? And do you get the opportunity that we have of taking that reputation in a completely different direction in our area? But we have to join God in paying for that resource. The resource that enables us to do that, to change the trajectory of how some people think about the church. This year we got to pay principal and interest. So we got to join God in that work. There's a, a second big bucket that we need to think about, and that's fueling growth in every area of ministry. So last month you heard about some of the great stuff going on with our group's ministry, but we started a new ministry called Awana Clubs. Middle of the week, it's a discipleship program for kids. This is the first time we've ever done it. We have almost 100 kids signed up. We're not even a month in. 100 kids. Ed mentioned Gateway Village, our children's center that uh, throughout the week, that's kind of our educational ministry, we also offer after-school care. They grew so much this summer, we had to buy another 15-passenger van because they outgrew the other three buses. So they're growing. Last May, we were averaging around 625, 650 people every Sunday morning. And we anticipated that over the summer, there'd be a little bit of a slump. You know, generally churches drop off in attendance about 20%. Maybe there'd be a little, you know, surge of people coming back in the fall. We were excited about that. Well, first of all, no slump in the summer. 
one Sunday in July, we had 640. So it was exactly what our attendance had been at the beginning of the summer. And then uh, two weeks ago, we were in staff meeting talking about like, gosh, you know, I was thinking there'd be more people. It just didn't feel like there were that many people here last Sunday. Hey, Rhonda, what was the number anyway? 715. It just didn't feel like there were a lot of people because we've gotten used to that. And we're growing. And as we grow, we need to expand our ministries, whether it's groups or children's ministry or youth ministry. And as we expand those ministries, we've got to provide the resources that fuel the growth in those areas. So fueling growth in every area of ministry. That's the second big bucket. A third one is expanding missions. Missions has always been a big part of Gateway, but it has probably been a little underfunded. So we bumped the budget this year by 60% for missions because we feel like God is not just blessing us so we can fuel what we want to do. He's blessing us so we can fuel what he's doing in other parts of the world. This is really cool to me. Do you know that we have three Gateway Youth Group alumni who are involved in full-time mission work, both here in the U.S. and in other parts of the world? Over the last few years, the offering from our elementary kids' midweek program went to a ministry in Guatemala called Living Water. They provide food and medical resources and training for disadvantaged children. And so our elementary kids adopted or sponsored two children. Daisy and Alexander, and they've been praying for them over the last couple of years. Well, this summer, for the second summer in a row, our youth group went to Guatemala on a mission trip, worked with Living Waters, and they got to see face-to-face Daisy and Alexandra. So we've got little kids in elementary school who can't wait till they're teenagers so they can go to Guatemala and see with their own eyes these kids that they've been sponsoring. So look, as we grow here, Our ability to impact the world around us grows. And our accountability to God for using his resources with wisdom and purpose grows as well. So we're increasing our mission budget this year so we can increase support to our existing mission partners. And so we can fund new mission partnerships, both locally and internationally. We want to invest some seed money for a new school building in the village of Circadillo in the Dominican Republic. Some of you guys have met... Ina York, she's one of our long-standing mission partners. She's a teacher at heart, and she has longed for almost 20 years, probably 20, almost, to build a school for the kids in Circadillo. And we've set aside some seed money to help get that effort started. So if you want more information about missions, if you want to know where the money's going, if you want to know how you can be involved, ask anybody that looks like they kind of know what's going around here (laughs) to point you towards Kevin Bellino. Kevin is the leader of our mission team, and he's usually standing in the lobby. I guarantee you, he would love to chat with you about anything related to missions. But expanding missions, that's the third bucket for us this year. And a fourth and final bucket would be, we've got to add staff. We've got to add dedicated energy to certain parts of our ministry to help them flourish. Look, the church is a volunteer organization. This is our facility. These are our Sunday morning services. Those are our classrooms in the back. This is our benevolence money that is given away on a sometimes weekly basis. There is no home office that supplies the need. There's no back-end denominational channel that comes in and rescues us when we don't know how to pay our bills. It is us 
That's why I said at the beginning, when I say our, I mean our. When I say we, I mean we. It is our money, and we will spend it how we feel like God wants us to spend it. Right now, we need to devote dedicated energy to some specific areas in the form of full or part-time staffing to allow for the gathering and the caring for the needs of those that we've been talking about. First of all, we need a full-time person to give leadership and support and direction to our small groups. This is the caring agency at Gateway. And we need more of them, and we need more care and concern for our leaders. We need a director to take care of our small groups ministry. Secondly, we need a full-time person to give energy and direction and support to our weekend services and to the culture of worship overall. We have done this for years strictly with volunteers, and we're wearing them out. Do not any of you say amen. Thirdly, we need to apply dedicated hours and expertise to our financial life. We are no longer a mom-and-pop shop. And, and we've got to be careful and wise stewards of our resources. And, and I want you to know, we haven't always made perfect decisions, but we have always tried to be very, very careful and conservative with our money. If we do not add resources, we are deciding not to participate in the harvest. Now, I'm sorry to be that bald, but I think that's the case. Okay, so the proposed budget this year, and we're going to vote as a congregation. If you're a member, if you're connected, we're voting next week. The proposed budget this year includes an aggressive, faith-filled ask. It's at the very end of that brochure thing we gave you. Well, first of all, we're believing that through us, God will raise over $1.5 million this year. I mean, it was almost 1.2 this past year, and we believe by faith that we can do that. That's $1.5 million to fuel these big buckets, and it will come from our pockets as we decide graciously and intently and prayerfully to give. That's the first line in the income part of our budget. But if you look further down the income column, you'll notice that there is a line called staff hiring campaign. You'll be hearing much more about this in November, but that $220,000 is what we need to raise above the $1.5 million in order to be able to hire the staff that I just talked about. And we're not going to hire ahead of schedule. We're not going to hire in a way that's irresponsible to our money. So we're going to have to talk frankly in November for a couple of Sundays throughout. We won't preach it again like this, but we're going to talk throughout the month of November about that additional $220 and, and what we need to do to get there. I want you to know one more thing about the, this staffing situation. If you read stuff about the business of church, and there's a ton of stuff out there in case you're not part of that world, but Alex and I occasionally read this kind of thing. If you read about finances of church, people will tell you consistently, no matter where you are really in the world, but especially in the United States, you don't want your staff, what you pay your staff ratio to your overall budget to be above 45%. It becomes kind of an unhealthy sign if that gets to be the case because the church is a volunteer organization. It's us. So you want to keep it under 45%. You know, if we hire all of the staff that I, I'm, I've just told you we're talking about hiring, we will be only at 37%. We've got to step in or we're choosing not to participate, I believe, in what God is calling us to do this year. Okay, a little note 
asterisk, look, if you have any questions, we don't want to be the family. Some of you grew up in families who you had questions and your parents said, yeah, no, never mind, you go away. We don't want to be that family. We want to be the family where you can you say, where are we going, and you get an answer. So if you have questions, this is awkward, but if you have questions, I want you to know about, about what's going on at Gateway or about our money, your money, then email elders at gatewaychurch.org, and we will try to answer you. If a question begins to repeat itself, we'll create some kind of frequently asked question thing and, and uh, send it out to you. If you have questions, let us know. One final observation, and we'll quit. At the end of what he says to the disciples, I love this, don't miss this, and don't snooze on this. He says at the end, thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you haven't worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you've reaped the benefits of their labor. Here's something I know about you. If you have a connection to God because of what Jesus Christ has done, I know that you've experienced this. I know that you have had people speak into your life. I know that you have had people give you a helping hand. You've had people pray for you. You've had people give you encouragement. I know that about you, even if I don't know you. I know that you know what it means to stand on the shoulders of someone else speaking into your life and creating a way for you to go. That's what Jesus is saying here, and I'm convinced he's saying that to us as a whole church. I have to tell you this just as a little aside. For those of us who have come here in the last two years, you need to know what Alex was talking about, our church three years ago, the church that moved into this building, there was a really small group of families that gave a Herculean amount of energy and money to enable this. And we're standing on their shoulders. But more than that, we're standing on the shoulders of what God is doing. Alex started this morning by saying that. I have to tell you all this. I could tell you a dozen of these stories, but I've got to tell you one. When we first moved in, it was the fall of 2017, and we had barely opened up. And if, I'm, if, if somebody's here who started coming to our church, so it's part of this group, thank you. Come to me later and tell me. But uh, there were a group of families here in Stone Ridge, South Riding. I, I think they were mostly in South Riding, but I don't, I don't remember. They had connections with of families and a church in an area that had just been hit by the hurricane, and I still can't remember what hurricane it was. It was the one in the fall of 2017, but I think it was somewhere in the Gulf, and they were just hearing about this desperate need. So they felt moved by that, and they were in communication with a church down there that was telling them, these are the you know, supplies that we need. So they marshaled a, a cargo and a truck driver, an 18-wheeler that would carry this thing, and they were going to fill it with these su supplies, and they, they had organized all of this, they were ready to go, had the truck, CPAC, and the, 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 whole, the whole thing ready, and they realized they got nowhere to park the truck. So what did they do? And so there, a group of them were meeting together, and one of, they were about to go live on Facebook, and, and one of them said, well, what's that building over there on the corner of Tall Cedars and Gum Springs, because we built this spectacular building, didn't have enough money left to put signs up, which is another reason why we need, you know, we need to raise some money. So somebody came over one day and said, hey, could we, you know, wow, this is a church? Yes. Could we park a truck here that's just going to collect supplies? Alex and I look at one another, sure. Some of you remember this. You brought supplies. They pulled the truck out here into the loading dock area of our building, and you began to bring supplies, and they loaded that truck, drove it down to Mississippi, I think. I can't tell you how many times. I remember the first one. I was over at 
what used to be Mug and Muffin, Brew Something, I can't remember the name of it now, sorry owner, but it was Mug and Muffin at the time, and I was in line getting a cup of coffee. I get up, the owner knew me, he came out from the back, hey, how are you, hey, how are you, how's that new building? Oh, pretty good, person behind me, are you the church that's doing all of that for those hurricane victims. Thank you so much. That, that is just the greatest thing. I'm, I'm so impressed. You don't you often hear churches doing that. So thank you. And I had to say, wait, 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 time out. We had nothing to do with it, honestly. We just said, yes, you can park a truck there. Oh, well, thank you anyway. It happened so many times. I got tired of explaining the whole story. After that, it was, thank you so much. I was like, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> do you know the reputation that church has in our culture. Do you get the opportunity that God has given us right now? The fields are white. We are that church. We're in that field. It's time to go. Let's join God. Let's pray. Lord, I was reminded this morning of the time you spoke to little Samuel when he was a boy and he kept going to the priest Eli he didn't know what was happening and finally Eli figured it out and said just go back and say here I'm here Lord your servant is listening so this morning there are almost as many stories as are well there are as many stories as there are people here and and some of us are on the fence of deciding whether or not this is a place to jump in. Some of us don't know how to jump in. Some of us are in in neck deep. And others of us are not even there spiritually yet, but you have stirred. God, we want you to know this morning, your servants are listening. So speak. And whatever it is that you would have us do, remember, Lord, when Thursday comes and we are just caught up in what it is that, you know, and our to-do list, remind us to raise our sights and remember that this morning we said yes. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you came today and we are praying for you during the week and we want you to all have a blessed Sunday and come back and be with us again next week. Have a good day.